Hello, welcome back to the Social Matters podcast. I'm Fran. And I'm Nadia. And I'm Eugene. So, how's everyone doing? You good? Yeah, good. Smiles all around, Eugene. <laughs> smile, smile. Yeah. You, can't, I am... you can't see their smiles, but they both have big smiles here. Yeah. Um, so today, we are going to be talking about the social graces, which I love. Oh, um, yes. So, we've got quite a few... Well, a fun thing uh, planned. I'm so excited, <laughs> well, you know, I'm so excited. That it's also fun for, it's fun for us. We don't know if it's going to be fun for you. Let us know on um, Twitter and Instagram at Matters Podcast. Um, I would want to rank the order of excitement. I think Nadia is clearly I, um, number one. And... We've had to turn a mic down. <laughs> she's getting so excited. Um, and then me and Fran are probably um, equal number two, three, depending on how things go. We'll let you know at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, join me. Join me at yes. number one. Oh, yeah. like, join him. I want to whoop, but I think it's going to like Distort. burst people's eardrums. <laughs> so, social, the social graces, what what are they? Can someone tell me, please? I, yes. need, I, need, I need to understand them. Yes. So, um, <laughs> no, the, the listeners do. I yeah. do. Go on. Um, so, the social graces, um, it, it's an acronym um, and it was created uh, by John Burnham and Alison Roper Hall. Um, shout out to Alison Roper Hall, woman. She always gets dropped off. Yeah, like, just, yeah. just Burnham. Yeah, yeah, John Burnham came up with them. He did. But, Roper oh, Hall and Burnham. And Burnham, yeah. that's right. Um, so, those guys came up with uh, the acronym. Guys. Oh, oh, oh. oh. oh those no, gender language. Oh, no, but it's really interesting because hmm. I, I keep saying it's really interesting. Cause it it's is. really interesting. I, <laughs> I use I, it's not to go off topic, but I end up saying, oh, guys. guys and stuff yeah. Like that. Yeah. I do. But then, only in the last, not in the last couple of months, but about six or seven months ago, I was having a conversation with a woman and. I called um, her. No, guy. but asking her, what does that mean to her if yeah. we talk about meaning as well like if i say hi guys do you do you feel that it's gendered or i mean i don't yeah but i can understand why people do well what, fran intervened yeah on, what, as we what, were in our lyrical flow because i suppose you you do associate a guy being a, a man a I guy google the Okay, guys, I haven't even explained what grace is this yet. Let's bring it back. Oh, oh, oh. Um, So, acronym. The graces are an acronym um, to think about aspects of difference. Um, so We love an acronym in social work, yeah, don't we? We, we love do, it. we do. Um, so, for example, the G, sta- the G stands for gender and geography. Mm. R stands for religion. Um, and yeah, it goes on. But yeah, we're going to... We're we gonna... going to test you, Nad. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and the A. And the A? Yeah. No, but I think we should... Um list uh, social graces so people oh should i yeah oh okay because when we were preparing this nadia said oh i can say all of the social graces um uh off the top of my head without um googling it maybe we should go around and test ourselves so and um, we say the next one yeah we say the next one okay cool all right i'll shall i start go on then gender yep geography religion oh you're still out race age Fran, are you using your phone? <laughs> <laughs> what? What? what is Turn this? Turn that phone over. Turn that phone over, Fran. What is this? She said it with so much confidence. Exactly. Age. Age. <laughs> Smug for a smile on her face. I am old and tired and forgetful. So <laughs> because of my age, I need to use my phone to help me out. Okay, Fran said age. Nadia. Um, ability. Appearance. Class. 
there was one. This is so you. The A. Accent. Oh, but accent is one that people choose True. to put in. But I think it should come in. And it should come in because of your... Your you saying I've got, conversation. Saying I've got an accent. accent. You've we got spoke, an accent, babe. Yeah, we remember. This in podcast one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so class <laughs> is C. Yeah. Culture. I'm, I'm, Karumba. I, 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 can't, I, I can't spell now. A B C. C. I'm the alphabet. C. E's. Well, E's, E's next. E. Magic E. Ethnicity. Employment. Education. I think it's just S's now, yeah. right? Eritrea. Are we not on the? We're not, on the, we're not playing the country the game. game. What's the S? S. Yeah, Gosh, I can't even spell graces. Sorry, everybody. Um, sexuality, sexual orientation, and spirituality. Yay! And all the social graces, but I think loads of people add different things. Yes. Um, I financial situation is one, or, or income, or wealth, economic, or economic, economic. Yeah. That, that's something that's one and significant. Yeah. Um, An ability. We did we ability. say ability? Yeah, we did. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh. Gosh, I've already yeah. forgot what we just said. Oh, I, I don't, don't know if we did. I don't, no, we did. I, did did we? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> we're going to go back and record Can it. Can I have a rewind? Edit he's going to edit it edit in. Hates to be wrong. Well, if you, if if people are interested in then a simple Google of the social graces or John Burnham or Robert Hall, Alison Robert Hall, um, give you an explanation because we haven't got enough time to explain it all right mm, now yes um so how's how do you guys use the social graces in in practice or in everyday life life oh life, oh, <laughs> life. remember that Des Ray song about do. ghost and a toast yes <laughs> remember life is like a piece of toast <laughs> Sounds like one of it sounds like one of Eugene's no. analogies, doesn't it? Um, I think that they, they, well, they can be a helpful way to think about aspects of a kind of family's uh, social difference as well as our own and how they interact. So, the influence, for example, on of economics, of race, mm. um, ethnicity, on someone's lived experience, mm. and thinking about how that maybe intersects and influences and any interactions with my own social graces. So, thinking about my own um, kind of. Uh, social identity and, and think about how they interact. Mm. It kind of make, made me think about um, a previous uh, podcast that we spoke about or one in the future um, where we talk about uh, what kind of makes up someone's context and some of the social graces and um, geography, where you live, um, the employment um, that you have, where you go to school, all of these factors that influence and makes you who you are and influences who you are but also um when uh, we speak about the social graces there are some that are very visible that we can see and that people speak about but also some that end up being invisible and people don't speak about so it's the curiosity in understanding a person um to not only think about what you can see and what you can hear but also what you can't see and what you can't hear and that when i think about using it in in social work that's what I'm hope that I'm aware of. Hmm. So I um also try and take the position of thinking about sameness as well. Um yeah. so even though it's you know about differences it's also a helpful way to think about sameness. So if for example um let's take the grace of geography and we say that oh I am from the same country originally as a family that I'm working with I have to be mindful not to make the assumption yeah. that the way a family operate is because 
they're necessarily from that country and the same country as me and I make assumptions about oh they do that because because they're they're Ghanaian you know and and that's just the way it happens you know it is it's um important to think about um how you identify or connect with your grace Mm. um and and how that interacts with how you work with the family yeah and I when I look when I was first introduced to the social graces which um was um through my systemic training i think you guys as well your first introduction um i always used to see them kind of displayed in a very linear format so one after the other and um being a visual person i i like and i think in one of john burnham's papers it is displayed where the social graces are like dotted all around because i think that's how they affect all that what they would look like if you could see them floating above a person's head for example um where it's not linear they they move they change position with regards to um importance in uh, levels of importance depending on the particular context and also looking at the relationship between the social graces how they um, relate to each other how they affect each other and um what that ends up looking like Mm. yeah um I was just wondering whether it's a good point to start the game. Should we yes. just should we yes. just crack on? Is there yeah. anything, Fran, that you wanted to add to what we were saying? I'm just going to finish the Desiree song, but I don't know if it's <laughs> relevant to the podcast, so we can we can crack on with yeah, the game. We can, we can do a separate um, episode on an addendum. Yeah, on nineties <laughs> classics. Um, I'll do um, Coolio's um, song. Which Gangsters Paradise. Which Paradise. Gangsters Paradise. I was just about to sing, but That's... for some strange reason, people keep telling me how terrible my voice is. So I'm not going to introduce it, or then we, people may just tune out. Tune out. <laughs> um, shall I explain the game? Yeah, go on. Okay, so it's really complicated. Are you, are you listening carefully? Yeah, <laughs> you guys chipping in from wrong. So Nadia actually came up with this game. Um, so we are sitting in a room, um, and there's a bowl uh that's studio let's see the um and there's a bowl in the middle of the table and um we've um got keys in it and <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> i'm joking sorry we've, we've dotted down um we've, we've jotted down um all of the different social graces um and we are going to take turns in randomly picking out uh, a social grace and talking about what it means to us but then having a bit of a conversation about um that together mm. um is that an accurate explanation i'd say yeah. so what it means to us how it might kind of apply in practice yeah. and yeah. yeah 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 come on right. let's go let's go let's You're go gone, You're excited. Oh, should I you go, go first, first. Okay. okay i'm close my eyes oh shall we hear the rustle of the paper oh yeah it's there um i've got education mm. so what does education mean for me um so i think i definitely value it and I think um it's important in terms of like I love to learn I, like, I don't know if you've um, got oh, really? that I don't know oh, if you've got that now <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like you know education and knowledge and reading gives you so much capital um mm. and gives you yeah just gives you a lot and I think that that has definitely come not from nowhere um it's come from my upbringing my um my mum highly valued education and um meant and that 
you know has meant that I really value it um you know we could it, it could be that I've gone the other way that because my mum valued it so much I just like pushed against it and actually yeah. don't think that it's that important but actually I do I do yeah. really value education I've been to um uni and I think uni gave me not just uh my certificates and you know my academic achievements but also so much kind of um learning socially and everything so yeah I think education is super important yeah um and I think I I feel that I'm gonna slightly cheat here but it's um a way to display how the different social graces um affect each other Mm -hmm. so like you I also um value education and it came from my mum who really valued education and her dad who really valued education and but when I was thinking about it as you were speaking um I'm thinking about how education is affected by the culture in which I was brought up in and also um geography in the sense of where we were loca- located so um I think I've said in previous podcasts but I'm a British born Nigerian and um in Nigeria with my um granddad and my mum education was seen as a way of getting out of of difficult situations and getting out of financial hardship mm. and the idea of being able to move to London to study and use your education to kind of get into a good job and be financially secure that was the kind of dream and the mission of my granddad and and um of my mum um my mum tells me stories of my granddad working so many jobs so all of his kids go to to um university and go to school so i think i end up valuing education in a really really like significant way mm. um i was gonna say that um the education isn't a grace that i i privilege i don't feel like i think about that much that's interesting because i was just gonna ask if if you two did given your stories mm. of how it was valued in your sort of families of origin that that, that when if you're working with a family is it something that you you look at as as kind of an important and, and add value to i i do because um i see sometimes like when i i think when you talk about sameness nadia sometimes i see similarities in in my upbringing with regards to financial like our financial situation similar with the families that we work with and i feel that for me and my siblings education has been a way to get out of that and being mm. able to go to uni and be in in good jobs and earn good wages so we don't have to worry about the same things that my mum worried about for example mm. so I think when I look at families well when I work with families um, I feel that I do end up privileging that but not necessarily enforcing my notions of the importance of education but more so looking at whether it's something that's significant for them and amplifying that mm. um, what, what I was wondering whether people would be clear on what we meant by privileging it and I think that what I I mean by that it's not some it's not one of the first things that I think about when I first meet a family about how how is it that education impacts on what is going on here Mm. um unless unless maybe it's something like school refusal maybe like you know I I, but it's not you know the thing that I know I know I privilege race I know I privilege that that's what the one thing that I'm like oh where are they from you yeah. know and I think that comes from my own experiences of having quite a mixed heritage and mm. so I'm yeah I'm just really interested in in race and and culture and how mm. families do their race and culture yeah. I think I'm quite drawn to um 
education because I suppose like you two in many ways are quite privileged. I went to a state school, but, you know, went to university, etc., which is such a privilege when yeah. we think about yeah. it. And I suppose that, you know, we've all been perhaps encouraged in our education to a point. Um, my parents were both teachers, so I guess there was a level of education there. But they um, they were also very laid back and were both quite rebellious at school. So as was I. But you know, you know, on a serious note, it's a it's a massive <laughs> privilege to be able to kind of have an education and go to university. So I think for me, I, I think I'm quite aware with um, some of the families we work with the impact um, of of not you know having an education or going to school can really have on people. So I think it is mm. something I'm. I think about a lot of yeah. the families I work with. Yeah. Okay. All right. Do you want to go, Fran? Okay, you yeah. pick up the next one. Russell, Russell, Russell. Jim. Do <laughs> you, you, you get that joke? You no, said Russell, Russell, Russell. I said Jim. Russell. Who's that random man? Jim. He's that random man. Anyway, come what on, man. <laughs> Russell. Okay, Russell. Okay, go on. Do you get what she's saying? <laughs> I don't get that joke. Yeah, I'm just choosing to ignore <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a dad joke. Um, yeah, okay, so I've got ability. Ah. Um, what does that mean to me? Um, I suppose for me, um, it means, I guess, thinking about, I guess I've talked a lot just then about privilege and education. I suppose it's also about kind of things I am able to do. Um, you know, I'm an able-bodied woman. Mm. Um, I, uh, I'm able to do a lot of things that don't impact on my kind of day-to-day experience. So I think when I think about that, um, I th- I feel um, quite privileged in many ways when I think about ability. I don't know what you mm. two think about ability. I think my you, I notice um, how I'm privileged, like you being able-bodied. I notice that more when I see people um, who are disabled or who are not. Um, fully able body and see the the um, difficulties and the hardships that they go through and I think um for me it was one of the probably one of the social graces that's not prominent in my thinking mm. and because I've grown up um I've never had anyone in my family who's who's had a disability um I've never um well visible disability I've never had a, any um close friends growing up who had a visible disability but actually coming into social work and working with a much more diverse group of people I've been able to um uh, work closely with colleagues and and um s- families and children who have have disabilities so it kind of makes you think about the world in a really different way and um as I've become older been drawn to or noticing more about the um, structural inequalities in society and how that kind of changes um, uh, the kind of world for somebody who is disabled. And I remember one time getting on a train at a, at a station in, in London and just walking and it had long, um, like four or five or six flights of stairs to get to the platform and the escalator was broken and I was so tired I was looking to get into the lift and they said the lift isn't working it's going to be repaired in a couple of days so I started walking and thinking oh my god this is such a trek but then I was thinking what if this was somebody who wasn't fully able-bodied or or in a wheelchair they've made changes to come to this station because it's one of the few stations that's wheelchair accessible at that in that particular location in London they've just tapped their oyster and started charging themselves whatever um amount of money um it costs to get on a train and just got onto the lift and now know 
that they can't get onto the platform. They may have work to go to, an appointment to go to, maybe meeting with friends. And it just... So when I think about that grace and I've encountered people who um, are, haven't got the same level of ability as, as I have, it's those moments that makes me kind of really try and really reflect and, and feel the privileged position that yeah I, I think um ability from what you kind of both describe as about um like physical ability as well that ability makes me also think of like capability to do yeah. things like capability to um I don't know, like fill out an application form or mm. look for a job or mm. the ability to be able to socialise, the yeah. capability. To, so it makes me think of that mm. as well. Yeah. And I think also, you you know, a lot of it, we often can find ourselves thinking about the kind of visible aspects of yeah. ability or disability, but actually it's really important to think about the invisible aspects as well. Yeah. yeah. And also, just I'm being told to move on and pick up another card, but I just wanted to say... Um, not only physical ability but also um when you think about things in a mental and cognitive way i think that's important yeah. to consider so i'm yeah. going to move on because i'm being hurried <laughs> ah i've got appearance ah um what does this mean to me um i think this is a one of the social graces that i always find myself drawn to so in practice when i'm with uh student social workers who i work with now um, and we're talking about case. I often ask, "What do they look like?" Yeah. Um, because for me, our understanding of people and their appearance is not only affected by who we are as people and our um, uh, kind of previous experiences, but also um, how society kind of makes us think about certain groups of people or certain people. So I think you mentioned in the previous podcast, Nadia, the idea around hug a hoodie for example yeah yeah or um how people uh uh with um darker looking skin who have beards are are perceived because we live in a world now where there's a, a fear of of terrorism there's islamophobia and stuff like that um and i talked about in a podcast uh before my feelings around walking around with a hoodie myself um as a black man um so appearances and also not even in a negative sense but also in a sense of um, we look at people's appearance and people we feel safer around certain people we feel more drawn to certain people we we kind of are drawn to people who may look like us or sound like us or or mm. who appear in a similar way um so yeah it's something that i feel more comfortable with um, in comparison to other social graces mm, and i think it's it's interesting um, thinking about how it can impact on your lived experience. I think particularly sometimes when I come having lived in London, yes, I, I think there's still some way to go. This isn't, you know, representative everywhere, but I do think there is, you see a lot of difference in, in terms yeah. of people's mm. appearance. I, I think in terms of the ways people dress. And I think um, there was quite a tragic, horrific murder of two young uh sort of gothic dressing teenagers yeah. in the north a few years ago I remember because that. of how they looked um so i think it is about how yeah just how you dress can in fact in, impact people's lived experience mm. um and i think yeah london is kind of ha a, a bit more accepting it, it, it appears in places a bit more diverse but i still think it does impact on people's mm. lived experience doesn't it mm, yeah. definitely um i'm not sure i can really add to any of that in 
In. Right. Next one. Sexuality. Mm. That's that kind of intersects actually with appearance. Go yeah. on. What were you gonna no, say? No, no, no. Yeah. Um so yeah, sexuality. I think about the kind so I think about this especially when I'm working with um uh young people at risk of child sexual exploitation, mm. kind of like, you know, how how do they dress um in terms of their appearance like what kind of um agency or how how do they how do they how do they hold their sexuality mm. um that yeah I, I kind of think about it yeah, yeah. um like that but also in not not in cases that are like that you know when you're thinking about parents and like life cycles and you know when if parents have been together for years and years like what mm. you know what is what is um how do they do their sexuality in their yeah. relationship now and how does that impact on how they parent? And yeah. it's, it's just an mm. interesting one to think about. It's quite yeah. a, a sticky one sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I think so. And I also think, it, again, we talk, everything's linked here. Um, we talk about um, the context in which um, uh, people appear and, and what they look like. And also, part of me also thinks, and this is probably something that I've gathered in as I've, uh, become old, older um people f- f- um, feeling comfortable with displaying how they do their sexuality as well mm. and not feeling confined by um how society has constructed sexuality yeah. um and um the whole kind of idea that you have to be a certain way it's a very heteronormative society where um uh, people uh, believe that to do your sexuality you have to do it in in one way or or the idea of and it, it's something that links in with another social grade sexual orientation um the whole idea that um what is deemed as normal is very hetero and um, eugene's doing inverted yeah, commas sorry, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> normal um, I, I did that for you guys it's no one else really knew um so i think for me when i think about sexuality um i i i think i attach curiosity to my understanding of sexuality um of other people and um not and but when i think about myself um uh being heterosexual in a very heteronormative society i think again we talked about privilege in in when we talked about the other social graces but feeling um uh privilege and maybe uh losing sight of that privilege at times yeah and i think just to add um sexuality is an interesting one isn't it because i completely agree nadia about i guess how i think and understand what we mean by sexuality but it's interesting i guess from a professional perspective how you might have conversations around Mm. that like you know do do you really i mean i think it is something that i would think about and i think i have at odd you know different times in my career but i think there is still a taboo around perhaps even talking about sexuality sometimes Mm. um and i just don't know how much it's done in terms of thinking about the the kind of families that we work with in terms mm. of their sexuality, I, d- I think it's sometimes, again, not for everyone, can be perhaps a neglected area of thinking about people's lives. Yeah. Mm. And I think certainly in my personal life, I'm very comfortable talking about it, but I think perhaps less so in, in a professional, professional context with um, some of the kind of parents and things we we work with again you know have done it but i think it's interesting ones that we perhaps privilege more than others yeah how do you feel about talking to young people about their sexuality i i thought i felt comfortable yeah 
and I think I felt comfortable when it's been more a more prominent um, feature. Feature, right? So I've had to have conversations with um, teenage girls about um, contraception, and um, that was awkward for them, and also awkward for me. <laughs> but you have to do it. But then yeah. I've also been in situations where it has been. We talk about visible and invisible graces when it's been something that was invisible mm. and other factors of concern for example violence or um and poor school attendance have been the factors that has uh, kind of dominated dominated right so if we think about like what we said uh what the ideas of understanding somebody if we think about look looking at something or or reading a book starting at chapter 45 we have to um, understand what comes before that mm. and what has come before that in the, some cases that I've worked with which has been invisible is their sexuality how they how they do their sexuality and me kind of being blind to that mm. and in those situations when it's not a prominent factor not having a conversation about it but feeling that you have to address what the prominent factors are mm. but actually all of all of these factors make up who a person is um so yeah okay Next thank one. you class oh <sighs> you two say that word class, class. <laughs> there ain't no there r in it. class there ain't no r in class <laughs> that is true actually maybe yeah yeah yes yes uh class um so class is quite a complex issue but we are still i think still quite kind of ingrained in a class system in in the UK. Um, I, I find class a really interesting one, I suppose, for my own class identity. My dad's from a, a working class background and my mum, I'd say, a middle class background. Um, and yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, how you identify? And I suppose it, it, it is very personal yeah. to that the individual because I guess just thinking about the social grace of education, that would make us all, and you know, being social workers, that would put us in a middle class category um but again it, your lived experience might be quite different um my family didn't have much money growing up um so sort of you maybe middle class values but kind of you know didn't have the kind of money etc to go with it um so yeah it's quite it's quite complex and i think it's it's unique to the kind of individual and their experience but again i, I think it is something that can be quite neglected um in terms of thinking about the the impact of of class on people's yeah. lived experience, I think it's something we definitely need to talk about more. Yeah. Um, I a few years ago um, did this. So w- when you say class, like n- name the classes, like what what are you what are you thinking about? I, I'm thinking about um, working class, middle class, and upper class. But I think you're about to talk about what I was about to talk about. No so <laughs> about the eight classes. Yeah. yeah, go and talk about it. Okay, so basically, a few years ago, they did. Um, it's on the BBC. Um, if you want to check it out, it's a BBC quiz about trying to find out what class you are. And actually, I think there's is it seven? Mm. I can't remember seven or eight different classes. Um, because it's now thought that it's not just those bougie. three. Yeah. You're bougie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, it's just what it does. It takes into consideration, kind of like your social so what you do socially who you hang out with um yes your work kind of like Mm. whether you own property or not um but separates it out into more like subheadings yeah and i think that's that's 
what I was going to talk about. She's told my lines, so I have to make up stuff for now. Um, <laughs> but I was really interested when you were talking, um, Fran, about uh, your mum being from a middle class background, but your dad being from a working class background, but then saying that you guys didn't have m- Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> but saying that you didn't have um, much money. And I think um, before I, I think I'm drawn to understanding class through. Um, through um, economics and, and financial um, position but what you're saying Nadia is probably more of my what my understanding of, of class should be like and um, I come from a working class background but if you look at where I am in life I'm defined as middle class but that doesn't sit comfortable and what is that about me. that's and, I'm the same but then yeah, I, and I think that's that's a that's something to unpick really yeah because um i think if you think about what makes you you it's your experiences and um my experiences from a from a working class kind of perspective and lens has made me who 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 i am but so for me to kind of be to say i'm middle class is something that i think eradicates all doesn't take into consideration what's come before um but it's something to to think about because if i were to have kids for example they would be very middle class but they wouldn't have the same um tangible experiences that i've had of a working class upbringing but (coughs) sorry i keep coughing in podcast um but yeah i wonder why we feel that way because like knowing people who um, are middle class and um, who come from those backgrounds uh, the values are, are, are the same they, it's almost a, a slight reverse snobbery to an extent um, yeah yeah, yeah it's it strange no, Nadia you're moving us along I'll get caught, yeah, no, come get caught up and I'm like, oh, yeah, let's keep it moving <laughs> age Age, well, age, what does that mean age. to me? I'm the youngest among. No, I'm not. I'm not the youngest. Am I? Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, I am. Oh, I was just. I was laughing when I got that. I was just about to come out. Sorry, guys. Um, what does it mean to me? Um, I think I'm really comfortable with with um where I am age wise. I'm not gonna reveal my age actually. Should I reveal my age? No, um, I'm 34. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, the big uh, reveal. reveal. Oh, you cheeky beggar. You seem to reveal his age. And I think in practice, it's something that I'm drawn to, um, both in the sense of my relationship with peers and fellow professionals, and but also with my relationship with families. I remember when I started off in social work, 23, couldn't 23 grow. 23 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Child prodigy again. <laughs> 23 years old, couldn't grow a beard. Um, uh, Still only got <laughs> some poor excuses. Oh my god, is that what you're going on? Just attacking me from across the table. Um, yeah, no, I've got a, I've got a beard now, which is alright a little bit. Um, but used to um, walk into uh, the social work office in a suit because um, I was conscious of looking very baby faced and and um, people not taking me seriously. Mm. But when I came in at 23, age wise, I used to think to myself, what can I say to a parent I have no kids I'm fresh out of of, of education I have minimal life experiences yeah. and I'm going into families to tell them um, uh, oh yeah this is how you're meant to parent or tell them or 
help them to kind of mm. move forward and get into better position. But then, and I, but I think I realized that that was my hang up. And actually, what I could offer families was more than just my ex- my life experiences, and uh, that's been affected by my chronological age. Um, it was more different skills as in listening and helping them understand their situations because i suppose you say it's a a hang-up and i guess we all have our relationship with age and how we look but i guess you think it's fair to say people do judge people on how their age definitely definitely i guess it yes you could say it was kind of yeah how you how you felt but i guess there is a reality to that people can make judgments yeah. on on how old they think you are i think i've got quite a positive relationship with my age i think that comes from my parents who are still very young at heart at 70 um so i'm not someone that fears birthdays or anything like mm. that and um, but i also do recognize i'm i'm not even halfway through my life yeah. touch wood yeah. that's provided you know i go on to 95 like my gram <laughs> um so yeah I'm, I'm able to see i've yeah got a whole lot of life ahead from ahead of me but i do think um people do make judgments on age whether mm. it's kind of young or older and, and how they exclude, exclude people based on age yeah um so i do think it is something we we need to think about in terms of people's lived experience yeah funny enough we were kind of talking about this just before um we record we're recording um about how um i'm at an age where i feel like i'm a much more comfortable in my skin um yeah. and yeah much more kind of like and and that kind of influences I guess, like how I practice, um, how I interact with families. What what I found is um, I'm, a, I'm a certain age, um, but I look really young. And, and so <laughs> kids... Who told you that? <laughs> <laughs> Making stuff up. Oh, yeah. I look really young when I look at the mirror. No, you don't look really young. Okay, cool. You don't look young. All right, cool. Young. I look young. And yeah, and so a lot of like, sometimes parents are like, really? Um, you know, how do you kind of think? Mm. What are you coming with? But then it also means that I, I have quite good relationships initially. Well, and throughout the, our whole relationship with young people as well. Mm. One of the biggest compliments I ever got you talking about being young at heart. One of my young people was like, uh, "Nadia, I don't, I don't really know how to say this to you, but I, I like you because you're, you're a bit of a child." Like, <laughs> so she was like basically trying to say, "I like yeah. hanging around with you because yeah. you're young at heart," but yeah. she was trying not to be rude and didn't have the vocabulary uh. of it. I guess. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll take that. Thank you. Thanks so much. One of mine, when I first started out, was someone was like, Fran, you're too young and cool to be a social worker. I was like, I'll take that. <laughs> I don't know if they say that now, but um, haggard in my career. But yeah, that was a compliment for me. I used to get asked for ID, but not anymore. Not no times. more. <laughs> right, next right, one. I'm going to move on. Ethnicity. Oh. Ho. Oh. Oh. Ho. Should we talk about our own ethnicities? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So... Um, oh, how long have you got people? Mine's very complex. Okay, so <laughs> in my blood, I am half Ghanaian, half Lebanese, but I've been raised Jamaican um, in London, in England. Um, so I've, you know, when I was talking earlier about having a very mixed heritage, um, yeah, that's, it's very mixed. And I kind of draw on, um, or I'm very interested in how people do their kind of ethnicity because yeah. of that. Mm. I think that's mm. what it really, yeah. Yeah, because when you spoke before about the ones that you're, drawn to when you spoke about education i think ethnicity race are two of the ones that are top of my list in the sense of when i work and what i find myself drawn to because i think i mentioned this before um but i'm a nigerian both my parents were nigerian i was born in uh, east london shout out out east london Um, all day (laughs) (laughs) and um 
I I remember having a conversation with someone uh, ages ago around how they identify themselves or how we identify ourselves on forms and stuff like that. And this person was also someone who was of like uh, mixed heritage and hated the idea of ticking a box on a form saying other, for example. Ah. Um, and I like I describe myself as a British-born Nigerian. That's how I describe myself. Um, and because I think that reflects um, my ethnicity, that reflects um, the different factors and, and uh, circumstances and foods and yeah. uh, facts like that, uh, things like that that have contributed to making me me. And it also it also has a relationship with the idea of culture as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's my ethnicity, friend. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think I think about my parents' heritage. So I've got Belgian and Irish heritage. Um, can I be ethnically Yorkshire? Is that a thing? Yeah, if you, you want are, to be, how you do you, your yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you could see them both now, they did a, both a real reassuring social look of. If that's what you want, yeah. you <laughs> can have you. that. Yeah, I'm, I like. I'm. Yeah, I would say like <laughs> ethnically East, like <laughs> London. That is, so, but yeah. And, and and it's interesting, I suppose, um, with the kind of Irish side, was raised Catholic and went to a Catholic school and a lot of influence with the kind of Irish community in Leeds. Um, so a lot of kind of influence there. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a mishmash. Um, I'm white British, identify as white British, um, but with those sort of other European mm. influences and heritages as well. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I think we've got time for one more. Yeah. Okay. One more. Go on, friend. Is it me? Yeah. I did oh. just pick that. I did. Yeah, it's you. Make it a good one. Russell, Russell, Russell. Jim! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Culture. Oh, oh that's oh, a good one. Yeah. 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 Everyone's just gone. Yeah, no, well, that... and then I remembered it's me that's yeah, meant exactly. to be leading on it. Um, Culture. And I, I suppose there is a kind of link with ethnicity that we've just spoken about. Um, and I suppose culture is a lot about the kind of my interpretation and understanding is, I guess, around the kind of beliefs, ideas, practices. Um, I do think, although, um, yeah, there's some sort of Irish influence, um, but it's quite way back. I'll, I'll, I won't. <laughs> I'm quite a, I'm quite plastic. Um, I remember doing a family genogram and I think it was like it's not even my grand. It's like great grand grandparents mm. or something. Um, but uh that was sort of an influence kind of the Irish centre in Leeds and Cayleys and I guess linked with Catholicism. Mm. Um, I think other aspects of culture can be, I guess, around food. Yeah. and But it can be types of food, but also, I guess, the meaning of food within your family. Um, certainly my mum is very... Uh, um, a very good kind of cook and baker so food is always something that we kind of would share in terms of meal times and food and will still all, always make me a cake when i go and visit um and, and food and things like that was something that stand out for me yeah that's i was going to talk about like the kind of culture of like families and and, and friends like you know you have yeah kind of rules and 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 traditions and things that um and when, when i think about um, families that that i work with i kind of think about yeah they're they're their ethnicity and their yeah. race and those kind of and the culture in that way but also 
yeah the culture in the home the rules like, yeah. the customs yeah, the, how they do yeah, family exactly yeah, yeah. exactly and i think you, you're making a habit of this now they're just stealing all of my thoughts sorry that's exactly what i was going to say because i think when we think about culture or kind of traditionally when we think about culture professionally we think about it in a wider sense like where you're from and and things like that but um how you do your you in the in the family home what you eat and also when we think about um young people when uh, the way they uh, are with their peers and um, the music they listen to, uh, the social media aspects of, of, of life that is very present now, this all contributes to um, the kind of forming of someone's culture. So for me, it's um, understanding what culture means to me, but also understanding how that has changed and how that evolves for people that we mm. we work with. Um, yeah, I think I think we're coming to to the end now um we obviously we've got loads that we haven't done um but yeah i enjoyed that yeah any but, final thoughts I both, I don't have a yeah, go on, friend, sorry. Uh, no it's just i think it can be a helpful way to think about um kind of as social work professionals i think it's something can definitely important to use in practice when working with families but i think um even as kind of non-social work professionals to think about kind of your own social graces and what they mm. mean to you as well so yeah. certainly for me it was something i introduced in my systemic training and it's it's made me think differently about One. my myself yeah. and my kind of um influences and interactions with others yeah i was saying the other day like before the systemic training i was like what what did i do like i just used to freestyle this social work thing and not have much kind of thought behind it in terms of like genograms and the social graces and difference and how you know my my graces influence how i see things and how i practice yeah Yeah. yeah once you've been enlightened with the social graces, you can't go back. This is it. Um, so that's going to be us for today. So please kind of follow and comment on Twitter at Matters and also at on Matters in, at, at Matters Podcast and also on Instagram at Matters Podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> is this a podcast? Yeah. Um, yeah. So please kind of uh, drop us your thoughts, photos, contributions. That'd be great. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thanks for Bye tuning in. Take Bye. care. Bye from me. Bye. That was about 40.